you. Mark chapter 11, verse 23 says, For verily I say unto you that whosoever, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, any mountain, but this mountain, he said, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. So the Lord here, if we can condense this and not do any damage to the Scripture, he literally said that whoever shall say shall have whatever he says. Isn't that what he really said? And there's some details in there about doubting and speaking and stuff. But what he basically said is whoever shall say shall have whatever he says. That's the law of confession. Whoever shall say, he shall have whatever he says. Now, we've talked about how we have in a marketing society, we can go into the grocery store with $2 and beans or four cans for a dollar or whatever, and we can go in there and we can figure out the rate of exchange and we have no trouble getting what we want. If we have the money and they have the goods, we can make an exchange and we have it. But in the economy of the kingdom, it's not by money. It's by words. You can have everything you want, just like going into Winn-Dixie and getting those ranch-style beans. You know, those ranch-style beans are real good. I recommend those things. Hallelujah. They'll go with anything, just about anything. Pour them over your salad, put them in your oatmeal, everything. Just, they're just good. But in the kingdom of God, it's not working with exchange. Like, well, you know, I got $1,000, Lord, I want to buy something from heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus said the economy of the heavens is whatever a man, whosoever shall say, he shall have whatever he says. So it's a medium, it's a market, it's how it works, just like we worked at the store. And Jesus understood this law. Look with me in chapter 5 of this book. Here's a story, literal uh, event that happened where this great faith business, here's an example of it in verse 22. Behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue. Now, this wasn't one of his disciples. This isn't someone that was in the flow, that was in, in his group. It was someone that was outside of the group. And matter of fact, a lot of his friends were opposing Jesus. Is that right? One of the rulers of the synagogue. But he had a need. He had a need that made him get past religion. You know, when people get a need in their life, they'll drop a lot of their opposition to things in order to get to what they think will meet their need. People that don't believe in healing, <laughs> you get them in the right situation, and I believe. You get people in the right financial situation, and them prosperity people, them people that, you know, them name it and claim it, you know, people, you know, we need to call one up. <laughs> and how does this work? Because, you know, when people exhaust the world and exhaust their mind, their experience, well, then they get open. People that are closed to the things of God are just closed because well, they think they have options. Well, it's not supposed to be that way. You're supposed to be getting up in the morning blessed. Woo, I'm blessed. I don't have a need. I feel good in my body. Sweetie pie is right there next to me. I believe I'll just reach over and kiss her, you know. And my babies are in the back room. And, you know, and your life is so good. Got a great job. And everybody, and you just get up and say, God, I need you desperately. See, that's what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to get to the end of the rope, under the barrel, down and out, until we call on God and say, Lord, you know I love you. Yeah, who are you and where have you been? No, we're supposed to get up just full and whole and say, Lord, I am desperate to have your presence in my life. Lord, i got to get the word out. Oh, Lord, we must talk about how good you are and how true your word is. You know, that's not how it is with most people, but that's how it could be with all of us. 
And that's the whole thing about the gospel is that we don't have to preach how bad the devil is and how mean hell's going to be. We can just talk about how good the kingdom is and don't have to say, well, I want to get saved or I want to come into that because I got troubles and you've got the answer. We just say, you know, I got up blessed and I just want more of it. And he's the answer to that. Amen. So here's Jairus going on with that. And he says that when he saw him, he fell at his feet. He had a need. He besought him greatly, saying, Here's my need. My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands. Now, this is explicit. This is detailed. This is specific. Lay thy hands on her that she may be healed. And then he said something that is so dynamic, that is so inspiring. He said, And she shall live. He knew how it worked, even though he wasn't in the system. He knew how the system worked. Now, I want to tell you all about these Baptists and Methodists and Presbyterians and all that sort of stuff. They're watching Christian TV, which I don't necessarily recommend. But, you know, you, you can get a few things off of there that make you know that, you know, it's, it's just not weird. That you can get out there and say, you know, I, they're talking about laying on hands. They're talking about prophesying. They're talking about the Word of God. They're talking about miracles, you know. And they're reading books. They're going into bookstores and looking both ways and making sure their pastor's not in there. And they're getting one off the shelf. Or really, they're ordering online, actually. You know, that's what it is. Plain brown wrapping, please. <laughs> and, you know, they're finding out. They're getting hungry. That's what happened to you. That's what happened. You weren't born into this. You've been going by this into this gradually. Well, Jairus heard, and he had a need, and it was a desperate need. Nothing's more desperate in your life than your wife or your husband or your baby being at the point of death. That's just in the human experience. If you don't call on God, then there's nothing going on. But he did. He called on God. He went to the man by his position. He was able to get into him. He said, if you'll come with me, and if you'll lay your hands on my daughter, she shall live. Well, Jesus always goes with faith. You know, a lot of folks, a lot of folks had needs. He passed a lot of folks at the pool at Bethesda. He went out the gate beautiful all the time. The man that was there in Acts chapter 3 that Peter and John talked to, Jesus had been by that man. But he didn't minister to any of those people. But Jairus came and said, I am desperate for God. And Jesus goes with faith. So if you're getting faith... You're not far from the answer. Nobody ever missed it in faith. Nobody ever died that was in faith prematurely. Y'all help me if you can. Praise the Lord. In verse 24, and Jesus went with him, and much people followed him. Then you know the woman with issue of blood came and interrupted him, and, and then all of a sudden, in verse 35, he says, while he yet spake, he was talking to this woman, and he said, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogues how certain there was uh, some runners that came. They're bearing bad news. You know, people walk with good news and they run with bad news. You know, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you about that good news, but let me tell you about the bad news right now. And the religious answer was there. It says, don't trouble the master anymore. And so you could tell they didn't believe. They didn't believe because she's already dead. Like death was the final answer. Let me tell you all something. There's a lot of things that it seems like death has come in and grabbed it and pulled it away. But death is not the final answer. There's resurrection life. Resurrection implies what was dead can be brought back to life. There's revival. There's refreshing where you're not doing too good and you need a refreshing or a revival. But then there's resurrection. I'm telling you, the Lord is our resurrection. That which was dead is now alive. Hallelujah. And it wasn't just Lazarus. He knew what he could do. But the reason that Jesus was confident 
is because he knew about the law of confession. The law of confession says that whosoever shall say, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Jairus said, if you will come and lay your hands on her, she shall live. Now, if you have the same elements, this law works the same. If the elements are the same, the outcome is always the same. You jump off the roof and you don't have anything to catch you, you're going down, aren't you? We know that. We know the sun comes up the same. If the elements are the same, the outcome is the same. That's the law. Well, Jesus knew the law. He said if the elements are the same, if someone's in faith and they speak out of their heart words of faith, the elements are the same, the outcome will always be the same. So he went with Jairus. This was a done deal. Done deal. It was done. So when they came running up and say, don't trouble, you know, you got delayed, don't trouble him. The time factor took your baby's life. Jesus said, time's not a factor here. The law of confession goes past time. I want to just tell you all about your money right now. It's not too late. It doesn't matter what's happened in your money right now. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter how it went south. It isn't over. You may have to have a resurrection. You may have to have something. But what do you care? As long as you don't miss so many meals that you die. <laughs> no, really. And in our society, we're in such a, a socialistic society that, you know, generally no one dies of hunger anymore. Jesus is helping us in our money. I'm telling you, let me just tell you by the word of the Lord, the money situation is changing. Forgivers, faith people have already had a turnaround. Your time is here. You're going to see a difference very, very soon. I can tell you it is not as it has been. It is not going to be as it is. There is a change in money. But now you're going to have to get in faith about it. You get a wait-and-see attitude, and you're going to have a wait-and-have-not experience. You've got to have a get-ready-it's-coming attitude. Amen? So Jairus, he is going to respond to these people that are eyewitnesses of his daughter's demise. She's gone, they said. She died while you were missing over here. And why didn't you come? And, you know, Jairus would look at the Lord Jesus. And then he would look at that woman with the issue of blood. You would want to blame. You'd want to accuse. You'd want to say... You've been waiting 12 years, girl. Couldn't you have waited till tomorrow? We got a thing going on here. This was 911. I know you need to help soon, but this was important. But Jesus just stopped. The one who knew all stopped and ministered to her, knowing the point of death that Jairus' daughter was at. He knew that. Do y'all know he knew that? How did he know it? Because Jairus told him, It's happening right now. Come. But the word of faith had been spoken. The law of confession had been invoked. It was over. She was going to live. And the Lord Jesus knew it. Why? Because he had a confidence in the law. He had a confidence in the law. And you know, you get them bungee jumpers off the big bridge, tie the rubber band to their leg. They say, you know, am I going to fall if I jump? You and I have a confidence. We'll walk up as total strangers and say, if you jump off this bridge, you're going down. Money back guarantee. It's never failed. See, so he had that same confidence. If you speak according to faith, whatsoever man saith, he shall have whatsoever he saith. That's the law. And I'm telling y'all, you don't know it, we don't know it, but it happens every time. When you say out of your heart, it happened right then. 
Well, you know, I hope it happens. You know, I said it out of my heart. I hope it happens. It happened right then in the spirit realm. I said it happened right then. You and I are in heaven experientially, positionally. The Bible says we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Doesn't it say that in Ephesians? Isn't that scripture about 2,000 years old? But what are you doing down here buying groceries? What are you doing going to the Mexican restaurant and saying, give me the triple taco dinner? Well, it may look like we're down here physically, but spiritually speaking, positionally speaking, we're seated with him. We have authority over every devil that's ever been spawned out of hell. And not just would you please do what I say. We just speak to it in the name of Jesus, and it's over. It doesn't matter if it changes, looks better. It doesn't matter. So Jesus knew, and that's the point I'm making. You've got to know. If you want to have the results he had, you've got to have the knowing that he had. You've got to have a confidence. You've got to have a revaluing of your words. Faith-filled, heart-sourced words. You got to know that when you attach God's word, his plan, and his purposes to your words out of your heart, you begin to build a deposit, according to Matthew 12, where he says, A good man out of the good deposit of his heart bringeth forth good things. That if the well is good, then when you dip out of the well, it's going to be sweet. But if the well is bitter and you didn't put anything in there except doubt and unbelief and Aunt Suki and, and Uncle Fred and all their stuff and all their religion, if that's what's been dumped in the well, you just know that when you dip out of that well and open your mouth, it's not going to be the blessing of the Lord. It can't be. You can't go to a briar bush and take off figs. You can't go to a, a spring that has bitter water and say, let's get us a sweet cup. So we got to put things in our heart. That's why you're here this morning. The sower sowing the word right now. I'm sowing the word. And he who has ears to hear, let him hear. You're filling up your well. You're filling up your treasury. You're filling up your depository. So that when you have a time when you need to dip out of your heart, the only thing you've got to go to is your heart. It's the only place of life you've got. Well, Uncle Jack's not going to be able to come save you. The system can't save you. You've got to dip out of what you've already put down inside of here. Well, this is what we've been putting in. The uncompromised, unmitigated, unfailing Word of God. It has never, it has never slid. It has never fell back. It always works. Hallelujah. So when we dip out of it and we begin to speak faith-filled words, it changes at that moment. And so Jesus said here, in verse 35, he says, why trouble the master? Your daughter is dead. Those are damning words. Those are horrible words. Those are hell-filled words for this daddy. It's the worst thing that could happen. He hoped against hope. He went out on the limb. He went out there and jumped off and just said, if you will come and lay your hands on her, she's going to live. And all of a sudden, the bad report comes. Anybody ever got the bad report? The contrary to the word of God, what you just said in faith, and devil, take this. Yeah, anybody got the bad report where it comes back like, you fool. It didn't happen, and it's not going to happen. Well, it's no different than this man right here. And the Lord would say to you by the Holy Ghost the same way he said it to him. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler, Be not afraid, only believe. And what it's literally translated, believe and keep on believing. In other words, when 
the daughter was alive and he was coming there and Jesus was performing miracles and getting things done. He said, I want a piece of that for my family. I'm going to step out of this synagogue business. I'm going to be in trouble. There's no doubt they're going to come call me on the carpet, but this is my baby. This is my girl. This is all that I've got here to believe for. I'm going to jump in there with the Lord. I'll get an audience because of who I am and I'm going to release my faith. And so he did. And they came and said it didn't work. And Jesus said, yeah, it did. The law of confession. Whosoever shall say, he shall have whatever he said. (laughs) Jesus said, I heard it. It happened. It's already done. It's not going to happen, and it can't unhappen. It happened. Well, he goes on there, and he says it there in verse 37. Nobody could go in with him except the good guys, and he comes to the house. And, you know, mom and dad are having a hard time with this because they didn't get this faith. You know, mom and dad are having a hard time, and he goes to the house. Mom's there, and, you know, they've got professional whalers already and and, uh, all that sort of thing. Y'all know those people? They're full of religion. And Jesus says in verse 39, The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. Now, what about that? Well, how could he say that? The only way he could say that is not because she was special, not because Jairus was special, not because it had some kind of thing in the kingdom that the Lord was wanting to do with the Jews or the synagogue. It had everything to do with what Jairus said. He said, she shall live. So if she will live, then she couldn't be dead. So if she looked like she was dead, if she had her eyes closed, she was just asleep. And the Bible says, you know, everybody laughed him to scorn. So he put them all out. I love that. Laugh at me, fool, out the door. (laughs) Faith only. You need to be careful. You need to be mindful. You need to be very cognizant of who you share your faith with, who you call, who's on your 911 number. Agree with me. Because if they can't handle it, you need to just put them at the bottom of the list and say, maybe someday, maybe never. You need to be mindful of relationships. You know, people sometimes want to just, they want to unhook from the pastor. They want to criticize the leadership of the church. They want to desecrate their leaders and who they're connected to. But when trouble comes, then they got to get past all that stuff that they did in order to be able to connect with what they have to have. And, of course, they'll eat crow and they'll do everything, but it's hard, and it's real hard in your soul. you got to stay hooked up because the future is dark without Jesus. But it is so awesome in him. So here it is. The worst thing that could happen couldn't even touch him. And he said, well, you know, uh, say unto thee, arise. So she did. So this law that Jesus invoked, he didn't actually initiate it. This wasn't even really his miracle, was it? Jairus approached him. Kind of like the woman with the issue of blood that had to work through the crowd. She couldn't be caught, but it wasn't good for him to be there either. In these meetings... We see church people in our Holy Ghost meetings just like. In Texas, we had people that says, I'd come to this church, but they'd see my car. Y'all don't have one of them fenced-in areas in the back. And I said, no, no, we're not one of them porno places. You can park in the back anonymously. you got to park out front. Well, I can't come then. Oh, my. you got to line up in the good times so you're lined up in any time. And that's what we're doing. We're putting the word in now. We're putting in the word now. We're dealing with doubt. We're dealing with unbelief. We're dealing with fear. We're dealing with it in these times that are relatively calm. Not just so we can have a better day, but so we can help somebody. There's no greater pleasure on earth than being a bridge to somebody. You had somebody be a bridge to you, it's your heart's desire to help somebody in the Lord. 
There's nothing more satisfying than having the anointing of God flow through you toward other people. It's the truth. Amen. We'll turn to Proverbs chapter 18. Now we're learning some things. We're learning that this law of confession is totally predictable. It is totally consistent. It is totally reliable. It is totally unfailing. It never fails. It never fails. Say it with me. It never fails. It never fails. I don't care what your experience is. I don't care if you gave $1,000 and you never thought you saw it again. It didn't work. That giving business didn't work. I don't care if you laid hands on someone 48 times and in the name of Jesus and the fever went up and they begin to throw up more and all that. And you say, it didn't work. You're wrong. It works. The fact is, is when we can entertain symptoms or things that are physical... We can diagnose something spiritual by something that happens in the physical. It's totally wrong. You can't do that. The old thing we always talk about here, you can't weigh with a thermometer and you can't take your temperature with the scales. You can't tell what's going on in the spirit realm except by this. This tells you what went on in the spirit realm. And so when it says to speak to the mountain, it'll move, that's exactly what happened. When it says that if you'll lay hands on the sick, they'll recover, that's what happens. And what looks like, what feels like did not happen. There's a time lapse in some things. There's some things that go on that you may not have understanding. We don't always know, but we don't have to know. We need to just know this. It says, resist the devil and he will flee. So in the name of Jesus, Satan, I resist you. I submit myself unto God and according to his word, I tell you to go. You have to leave. That's the end of story. See, so we got to get to the place. You've got to get to the place where you are less sensitive to the things in the natural realm so that you can become more sensitive to the spirit realm. That's what fasting does. That's what praying in tongues for an hour does. And we're not talking about reading a funny paper while you're praying in tongues or something like that. You know, like, well, I got a lot of time in today. We're talking about where you begin to become more sensitive to the things of the spirit and cut yourself off from the natural. It says here in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20, it says, a man's belly shall be satisfied. Now, I know this is Old Testament, But there's some laws like gravity and faith that transcend all the different covenants. A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. Say, my mouth. mouth. And with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Then it says, death and life are in the power of the sovereignty of God. Everybody knows the sovereignty of God is the highest thing. Everybody knows that. At least in Alabama, that's what I was thinking. Maybe it's that way in Mississippi and Louisiana, too, that we just don't understand what the sovereignty of God is. And we've all had somebody that lost somebody. And you just go, well, you know, we just can't question God. He's sovereign, and he can do anything he wants. What does the Bible say? It says, death and life are in the power of luck. I like that old hee-haw thing. Gloom, agony, and despair on me. If it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. No, it's not luck. There's no such thing as luck. There's cause and there's response. Everything that happens has a cause and it makes a response. An action causes a reaction. God's not up there just sovereignly just saying, I had a rough night. I'm thinking about just wailing on some people today. He's just not that way. Or, you know, I'm really feeling benevolent. Let's just throw a dart down there and whoever it hits, we're just going to be a real blessing to today. No. There's no such thing as luck in the things of the kingdom. There's no such thing as God does it because what's best for people. Some people want God to do it for the people that are down and out. They have a heart for the down and out. Well, he ought to be doing it for the down and out. 
Well, that's not what he does. If God is a God of love, why does he let Katrina hit and all those people that are hurt? Why doesn't he? It has nothing to do with need. If God was a God that only ministered to need, he wouldn't be in America. He'd be real busy somewhere else. But that's not the so. You think, that's not fair. Why is he so in America? More so then than now. It's because there's faith in America. We have a foundation of that. Well, life and death are in the power of the stars. Life and death are in the power of my past mistakes. Life and death are in the power of the devil. A lot of people have a great confidence in the devil. Lots of confidence in the devil. The devil did this. The devil did this. If I got trouble, it's the devil. Some people think it's magic. But the Bible says, let's read it together, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Well, my, 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 who would have thought that God wasn't in control on earth? The Bible says, even in Proverbs, that God is not in control in the earth, that you are. That he was, but he put you in charge. He put man in charge. In Genesis 1, he said, let us make man in our image and let us give him dominion over everything. That's what he said. Well, I don't think it ought to be that way. We want God in charge. Well, that's a vote thing, and you don't get a vote. It's already been decided. The devil took advantage of Adam. That thing got messed around when Adam committed high treason. He was like Esau who gave up his birthright to his younger brother for a bowl of soup. You know, the fruit on the tree, they gave it up, all his dominion. And so Satan's the fly in the ointment for that 2,000 years. But it's over, y'all. Jesus came and took it back. And he gave it back to us. He said, all power in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go, therefore. We've been empowered. So now we're back in charge. We have the same. Now, swallow hard. We have the same authority on earth as Jesus did when he walked, and greater authority in the sense of he was at one place at one time. We have all kinds of things available to us because the Holy Ghost is here. The Holy Ghost is down here working, and so it's working. So death and life are in the power of the tongue. So God's assignment to you is for you to be professional sayers on the earth. He needs you. He's got the power. You can't do anything without the power. He's the whole source of power, but you're the legal entity. You're the one that, like the judge, that signs off and makes it so, like the policeman that puts the badge up. You've got the authority to work the power. And the way you exercise your authority is not like bulking up or not by talking loud and screaming big. It's by even in a conversational tone one time saying with your mouth faith-filled words. It's so amazing. You don't have to holler at the devil. You don't have to scream at him. You don't have to yell. You just say, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over you and be gone in Jesus' name. And you go, well, that wasn't very loud. It just, it's not based on how loud it is. It's not to screw your face up. It's not that you fasted and prayed. It's the name of Jesus by a believer. We're called to be professional sayers. Your faith-filled words are like the signature on a check. There's a big account from heaven, and you and I are called to write with our words the checks on that account. 
We literally move money around. We move the anointing around. We are managers in the sense of what we've been called to do. We're the managers on the earth. Well, God's in control. No, he's not. Not in that sense. Now, he's in control in that he sent the Holy Ghost, and he lives in you, and he's talking to you and telling you this is how we ought to go, and this is what's good. And the Word is certainly in control in the sense of it's got total truth, total power, total ability, but you and I are the linchpin in it that if we say no, if we lock up, that's the end of it. God's not going to go past it. He's not going to get your kinfolk saved that say, I'm not going to get saved. He's not healing people that say... (laughs) I don't believe in that mess. Come on, I'm trying to help y'all. I know it sounds bizarre, but only in the sense of religion. We shouldn't even have to talk about this stuff. We shouldn't even be having to compare of where we've been. But we are. Like Hebrews says, we ought to go on from elementary doctrines. We ought to be able to get past these things and start talking about kingdom things that are precious that we don't have to deal with unbelief and do you believe and, and what do you think? And I'm not sure. But we've been like babes in the church. We've been just young. We've just got religion that has assaulted us. And we've got to come to some terms of how the kingdom operates. And we've got to believe what God says in his word versus what you think or what somebody else thinks. The law of confession is immutable and undeniable. Whatsoever man saith, he shall have whatsoever he saith. And you just got to get around that. It's not going to change because you don't believe it or don't like it or don't agree with it. It's the way it is, period. And there is no other way. We're going to have to start measuring our words and sifting our words until our words are accurate. Literally, when I was preparing for this, I saw a sniper. Snipers are people that are professional marksmen. They have a scope. They have a high-powered rifle usually. In the context that I saw it, they are one-shot people. Whereas you get Rambo, he's just blowing everything around. You know, he's just doing the turnstile thing. He's not aiming. He's not a marksman. Better have a thousand rounds. Sniper, a marksman, lines the crosshairs up and pulls the trigger, and it's over. And see, that's what we've done with our words. We've been Rambos. Well, in the name of Jesus, we just send the devils to the dry places and we just call the holy angels in and we're hoping and praying, God, it'll get better. And Lord, we're calling on you and we love you and thank you, Jesus. Whew, I've been in intercession all day. That Rambo thing, it'll wear you out. You notice he had to be bulked up, had to be bulked up to do that. But how about this 90-pound gal that just comes in and she just takes the shot and it's over. And that's who we've been called to be we got to wait and take our shot when we're sure that we've got the shot. You know, once you take a shot, then everything scatters. You lose your opportunity. When people are running and doing and everything, then you have to be a Rambo and just shoot at everything that's moving. So what the kingdom is, is by revelation, by the Holy Ghost, we begin to understand what needs to be done. We get the word out and we say, by his stripes I was healed. We get the word out and said, he made me rich. Supplies all my needs. And we take the word of God. We load the shell. You know, you can't put the BB in there. You can't just say, well, I just thought of something. I believe I'll just take authority over the devil. You've got to put the right shell in the chamber, and you've got to get it ready. And so sometimes that takes meditation. You've got to adjust the scope. We've got to take time until we know some things. And we know what we're supposed to do. And then we take the shot. And that's what Jairus did. He meditated. He looked. He listened. He watched. And he didn't need anything then. He was, but then one day his need came. And he had prepared for that day, not knowing that day would come. 
And all of a sudden, he had everything he needed, and he went into the closet and got out the M16 and the scope and put it on and loaded the shell, and he went to Jesus and said, if you will come and lay your hands on her, she shall be healed. That was the credits after the movie. Jesus already knew what was going to happen. And we don't have to watch the show anymore. We don't have to wonder. The sovereignty of God might kick in, and maybe he doesn't want her healed. Or maybe the devil's real big over in this part of the country, and, you know, we can't do it. It happened when he said it. Jesus just recognized it and said, let's go take care of this. So we got to start speaking to our life according to the law. We're supposed to have better. We're called to better. This is mediocre. We rejoice when we get somebody healed. We go, whoo, hallelujah, it worked. Something wrong there. It's good. It's good. It's better than where we were. And you could always rejoice over better. But when you get this thing out and compare what we're supposed to have and how it's supposed to happen the first time, every time, we're not there yet in the sense of having a confidence. But everything's in you. I said everything's in you. There's nothing left to be done. When you got born again, the full man, the full man, the spirit man, moved in. You're not a baby in Christ. Maybe you need your mind renewed in some things. We all do. It's Fort Knox. Everything moved in. You got everything you'll ever need. You just got to learn how to, to use it. Praise the Lord. Well, let's make a confession. Let's stand up this morning. Let's make a confession together. In Galatians chapter 6, in verse 1, it says this, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual... How many of y'all are spiritual this morning? I am. Are y'all? Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. We're supposed to be helping each other with our conversation and our confession. Now, there's a right way to do that, and there's obviously the other way. And it says there to do it with meekness. So when you hear your wife or your husband or your kids proclaiming the curse... It's okay to say, we don't talk like that around here. And if you cuss again, you're going to get grounded or whatever. If it's a kid, you can't ground your wife, I can tell you. Say this after me. I cancel, I cancel. Every, word every word that I have spoken that, I have spoken. that, is, against that is against the Word of God, the purposes of God, purposes of God and the plan of God plan for, of my for my life. Every word every that I have released... Contrary to faith, I nullify in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask you to forgive me, and I cancel those words, those seeds, those seeds of death and destruction. I take authority over them, and I abort them out of my life in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I ask you, in the name of Jesus, to convict me of truth, your truth for my life. Now, I yield to the Holy Ghost, and I expect that he will give me words that are life-giving, and I will speak them forth, and they will bring forth his life into my life, and I shall live, and I shall not die. I thank you, Lord, from this day forward. I shall win, and I shall never lose. I am above, 
and not beneath. I am over and not under. I thank you, Lord, I'm the head and not the tail. You made me and I confirm it with my words in Jesus' name. Amen. So if your household has the J. Iris thing going, that life and death is confirmed by what you say, and a husband and wife have authority over their house, their finances, their well-being, their children, their job, their everything, then you've got to help him, and you've got to help her. And you better do it in faith, and you better do it with humility and meekness, and you better do it at the right time, and you don't have to do it every time. In other words, be smart. Be real smart. You know, because you don't want to go to the dry places either. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you need to know that the Bible tells us that we can help one another in it. And the Word also says before you get to meddling with somebody else, get the stick out of your own eye. And so that's, it's a good place to start to not be working on them harder than you're working on you. Amen. But we need to help each other. Listen, the only words that have power in your life are the ones that you believe and that you speak. So if someone says, well, we're going down the tubes. Well, sometimes we just say this stuff that's silly, but nobody really believed it. And so you're not going down the tubes just because somebody used it as a euphemism. On the other hand, though, if you say enough stuff out of your head, your heart eventually will believe it. I froze to death. I'm burning up. That blew me away. That means nothing until you finally do begin to shiver a little bit. You begin to take that stuff in. So we need to help each other. And we will. And so we're endeavoring here to speak faith-filled words. And Debbie and I speak faith-filled words. Sometimes you look at us and you listen to us and you go, Ha! They have no troubles. The believe in God stage is over for them. No. Honey, if you'll listen, you'll know that we are believing God. And that's what that's all about. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless this people. And I thank you for your word that never fails. And we hide it in our heart, Lord God. We